Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. All right. Boom. How you guys doing here? Byron Rogers here. And I've got Mickey Shook here from Carrie Trainer. Um, we want to talk all about the CCW game. You know, this is what he does. So it's an honor to have him on here. How you doing today, Mickey? I'm good. Thank you, sir. Outstanding. Outstanding. So in the protection game, uh, the CCW aspect of what we do is, you know, it's something that is a staple on many details, but it's also something that we have people from various, you know, skill sets and with various backgrounds trying to learn how to, how to do well. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring you on and then have you, have you spread some knowledge about, you know, from the ground up really, what do you guys, what do people need to consider and uh, things of that nature, man? Sure. Well, I first appreciate you having me on. We just flip flopped last week. You were recording with me for our podcast. So thank you for asking me to come do one with you. Uh, you know, every training we do, we do a lot of concealed carry stuff. We also do some stuff for uh, law enforcement officers and uh folks that just want to shoot, but they don't want to carry a gun, but they want like some good foundational understanding of, of the gun. And the, when I start any training program, I ask the students or student, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? And usually like, we'll go around the circle and guys will be like, I want to get faster and more accurate. And then I'll say, well, what's that mean? And they'll go, well, I want to be able to draw fast. Well, what does that mean? And what big, what size target are you engaging? And they'll go, uh, they'll like have to start thinking about it. And so like try to thresh out, like, what is it? Like, do you want to draw and shoot a balloon a mile away with your 38 special? Or do you want to draw and shoot a A zone at seven yards and one second from your concealed holster? You know, like you got to have something to, to go towards. So your question, like, where should you start? I think at the beginning, asking what the end goal is, you know? That's a great way to approach it. Um, kind of gives people uh, a goal or something to aim at, something to start with, you know? Where do you want to start? What does your goal really mean to you? You know, deconstruct it so you understand it and you know kind of what you're aiming at before you get in the game. Because there's a lot of yeah. like ethereal, I seen this cool thing once upon a time content out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and people really need to understand the like the practical application for their goal too. You know, realistically, you know, what is it? 
So that's what's up. So I guess you at your core, Mickey, who are you essentially? That's a pretty Starting from the question. beginning. That, yeah, no, it's meant to be. It's, it's yeah, I get it. I mean, like, are we talking about who, like, so, like, if I stripped away all the bullshit, can I say bullshit? I'm sorry. Yeah, man, you can do whatever you want. If I stripped away all of the, this, I, I feel I'm pretty facadeless. That's not a word, but I have done in my adult life my very best to try to let people see me for what I am. You know, like, I'll sing sometimes, like, in our social media posts, and I'm not a great singer, but I like to sing. So it's like, Hey, like it's okay to sing a song if you want to sing a song and if people don't want to listen. That's okay. Like right. that's kind of like who I am. Uh, I'm not a uh, uh, veteran like you are. Um, I I came from a large family. My parents had eleven kids. Religious family. My father was a, a minister, and uh, there's a lot of stuff from that childhood that that I read over into adulthood that was both good and not so good, and uh, synopsis of a few things that happened terribly in my youth was, uh, a couple of different people at different times were murdered. Which, oh, yeah. It's a pretty, uh, uh, a pretty heavy thing. And where I grew up, you know, it's not like we're in a neighborhood where every week or two there's violence. So it's, uh, I kind of been in like a, uh, a rural slash suburban area outside of Chicagoland, about 60 miles. And I've told this story before. I actually have been writing about it. And sadly, a a very close uh, person to our family, she was 15, 16 years old at the time. I was 15. A creepy neighbor decided he had to have her. And classic story of a predator. Stalked her, basically. Let himself into the house by knocking on the door when she was home alone babysitting. And raped and killed her. Stabbed her over 50 times with a pocket knife, lit the house on fire to hide his tracks. And luckily a neighbor saw the fire and got the child out. She was babysitting. It was her nephew. He was like a year, year or two old. And I went and sat through the court proceeding at our, our county court. And this guy's name was Dale Kauke. He just died in custody of the Illinois Department of Corrections this past year. And it's 25 years ago this year that that happened. I sat and listened through the court proceedings I, as a 15, 16 year old kid. Uh-huh. Took off school, went to went to the court proceedings every day, and I listened to them read the what the investigators found out. How he stalked her and wanted this and knew he had to have it. How he went there that night, what he did, how how he how he felt, and. Uh, it really, like, as a young man, while I knew there were evil things in the world, it really, as I sat and looked at this dude, I thought, man, there, there is, like, you hear about it, you see about you, you read about it, you see uh, uh, stories, people tell you things, but, like, I'm looking at it. I, I watch this girl's body get lowered into the ground. Like, that's it right there. And that's different than, than war, you know? War's terrible. I'm not trying to talk about something I know nothing of, but it's... It, there's lines, there's, there's reason, uh-huh. right? Even if, even if the reason's not right, there's, there's a reason. Somebody, somebody or a country decided to fight with this other country, whatever the reason is, there's some reason. There's some even reason. honor in it, you know? Even in your enemy, there's honor a lot of times. Right, right. Reason. You know, yeah. you, what you both believe is the thing to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Even they, they use a lot of tactics, but still there's that at least. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
And that's a funny thing. Like on a side note, we talk about like uh, World War II. A lot of those boys fighting for Germany thought they were doing the right thing, defending their, their, their motherland and doing what they were supposed to do. So long and the short of it, that started to really change the way that I thought. And it wasn't like at 15 years old, I was like, this is my life's mission, because that wasn't the case. Uh-huh. But absurdly, since then, four more people that I know were murdered. Wow. Uh, one of them was a, was a, a Asian gentleman that owned a convenience store in our town. Very nice guy. A racist uh-huh. uh, white gentleman walked in and gunned him down, murdered him dead because he was Asian. And this was a block from my house. And he was like the kind of guy you'd go in there if you didn't have enough change to get your ice cream cone or something, he'd just give it to you. He was a, a nice, kind man. And things like that like started to like give me this understanding of how simple it is to take life. Some of that stuff is what started to work inside my head to to get me thinking about these things. Sadly, uh, about six years ago, one of my brothers, his his girlfriend, I found out later, possibly fiance. She was actually in the news before this happened that, that then President Obama uh, had her to the White House because she was uh, awarded uh, scholarship to go to college from the west side of Chicago, where she came from, a very crummy neighborhood called Humboldt Park. I shouldn't say crummy, but a neighborhood that had a, yeah, had a lot of crime. It's it's coming up now, but she got this, uh, I believe it was like the Roberto Clemente uh, scholarship from her high school. And coming home from school or college now, she went on her way to, or in college, she's coming home, took the train, got off and is walking home. And some dude came and popped her in the head, uh, shot her, killed her dead for what was a couple bucks in a kid's purse, 19, 18 year old girl, uh, probably a junkie. You know, and these things happen so often, but it's just bizarre how many, I, I could, I was more stories than that, but it's happened enough time where people that like I knew personally, at the time that that happened, I was leading an organization called the McHenry County Right to Carry Association, mm-hmm. which was a, a educational uh, sort of lobbying group. We helped we helped get some people elected that were pro gun here in Illinois. And uh, her grandmother, who is a close friend of my mom's, her name is Paquita, little uh, little Puerto Rican gal. She came to one of the meetings we were holding where we were talking to the public about things that had to happen for us to change gun laws. And Paquita stood on stage in front of a couple hundred people with me and sobbed her eyes out because her granddaughter was murdered a couple days beforehand. And her name was Frances Cologne. And, you know, those kinds of stories, this stuff's legitimate. It's real. Guns are not the answer to all of those things. But Uh uh, at at the time, that young girl did not even have the legal right in our state to possess a firearm, even if she was uh, of age and all of that stuff, it's just not legal. And we've since changed those laws in Illinois. But for me, it started out as an education process on more the constitutionality of, of self-defense and the right of, and uh, as a student of it myself for years, I, I thought, okay, well, you know, I've spent so much time, learning about this stuff and training. I've got well over a thousand hours of, of instruction time as a student with legitimate schools and instructors over the last 15 years. Uh-huh. We've been passing that on ourselves. It's a long winded answer. I'm sorry. No, it's fantastic. This is 
rabbit hole central. So like you got rabbit <laughs> holes, you got, you know, like I love yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, really a lot of your like brain map and like the roadmap for you and the way you see life and your paradigm and like who you are, like all of this experiential evidence you were presented with at a young age that really, you know, introduced you to evil. And, um, as you know, in my opinion, like a, a strong kind of, it's kind of a righteous thing for a man to do. It sounds like that kind of helped you make the decision to be able to either protect yourself and those around you or stop evil. You know, does that sound kind of like how it all played out? I I think so. I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, I'm, I don't, appreciate well let me rephrase that i can't speak for anybody else but it's strange for me when i hear people i I have people i know that say things like i was put on earth to protect the innocent i was put here to stop the wicked like like all right dude like like chill out right right like what i'm like like you know like some of these guys i know have like a room full of swords at home and they play samurai or something you know you got swords don't you no, I can't. I, I'm so one of those guys. Like I genuinely believe. No, no, that's see, that's different though. You're not, you're not portraying it in that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like, and I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, but, but it's, 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 it's what it is. What I'm talking about is where it's like a, it's sexy. You know, it's yeah, cool. It's cool. Like, you know, it's like I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep dog. I'm, I'm packing. You know, like I had a guy email, I had a guy emailed me the other day and goes, Hey, is it illegal to open carry in my state? I get a lot of questions like this. And he told me what state he's in at a, at a private, at a private uh, piece of property. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, not if you have permission, but why do you ask? And so he's a member of a church and he's going to become like the church secret service. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy, and I've met guys like this man, like they get off on it where this guy's now going to like carry a thigh rig around. And I'm like, Hey, you're allowed to do that. But I strongly suggest you don't. And here's why, you know, it's weird. It's weird. No, I I totally understand what you're saying. And I, I, I feel like there's like a, I don't know. I mean, it gets into the ego in my opinion, you know, you got guys that are like doing it for, maybe it's the wrong reasons and maybe they haven't even really realized that it's the wrong reasons. They're doing it with like an ocean and an idea and a romantic attraction to it. Right. Um, Like, dear God, help, help today be the day that I get involved in a mall shooting while there's a lot of cameras rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's, they don't even know that they don't want that to happen because they just don't know enough about bad things happening, you know, like, and it, I think it's a really big tragedy of our world now because you can get so much of this like fake reality to you. You know, you you can get so much of a false perspective put together through all the media that you think you're watching Mm. um, and, and, and such an idea, you know, you get all this experiential information through all these movies and you think, or your subconscious mind thinks it's real experiential information. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think people come up with these theories and ideas and I feel like it's very dangerous um, and misleading. Uh, There's another side to all of this too. So I grew up in a uh, super strict Christian home. Yeah. And so I had 11 brothers and sisters. I was one of the oldest. I had a six wow. old brothers six oh, old brothers and brady bunch route 
Yeah, my parents had a lot of kids. And there was, uh, there was some mayhem involved in that. But because us older kids were so responsible for helping take care of the little ones, like, I'm out in public now. And it's not because I'm a creep. But I'm always like looking like, where's the kids? Like I hear kids voices. I'm at the post office today, a lady walks in with a bassinet, you know, or whatever they're called now little, the little things that you carry the kid in. my kids are all now. little like two month old baby. She just sets the kid on the floor in the post office and walks like 30 feet away. And so I'm like looking like, like this you is know, not okay, lady. Right. People in 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 like there's people everywhere. And I mean, not yeah. just to mention like something could fall on the kid, but people steal people. We're straight so up. I'm kinda, yeah. yeah. I'm just kind of like watching and watching her. And she was a younger mom. That's not okay to me, you know? Yeah. I'll see kids like climbing on a shopping cart and I know that kid's about to eat it. You know, and yeah. I just like it I think during the formative years of my life, mm. my brain got kind of wired that way. Mm-hmm. There was, I, I, I administered first aid no less than 20 times in my teens to what? people in yeah, car like, wrecks. No, man. Like I, I, I've got numerous stories of, yeah. Uh, propane tank blew up one time at a party and dudes were like burned a house fire. I was, I, my dad sent me with some kids to a lake one time to like have fun. They were long story short, but the people moved sure. to town and my, my father was like, Hey, go with them up to this lake. It's Memorial day weekend. Like they just moved here and we ended up renting a jet ski Memorial day weekend, busy lake. Maybe it was labor day. It was labor day. And so I'm teaching these, these teenage girls how to drive a jet ski. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we watched two jet skis with four people two on uh, each head, head on into each other. Geez. There's nobody around. So I go over, I'm driving. I was probably 19 or 20, 18, somewhere in there. The girl behind me was about the same age. Two of them were unconscious face down in the water. One of them was DOA. Her throat was ripped open, just like she was done. And I'm holding all three of these bodies in the water. And I'm telling this girl, like, you have to go take the jet ski and get help. And she was like, couldn't do it. So I'm screaming. There was like uh, some lifeguard boats out there from the rental place. These yeah. guys are like playing playing cards. Yeah. So they yeah. finally come over and they're freaking out. I'm like, you got to call an ambulance. We don't have any radios. The radio's dead. So we get all the bodies into their little John boat. And I take our jet ski and fly back into shore. And I like a cop yells at me and I'm trying, I'm covered in blood. I'm telling him what's happening. We literally, I jumped in the water, got the stuff off of me, pulled the jet ski up to the dock and just bolted. Cause I knew like they were going to want like statements and stuff. And I didn't feel like getting stuck there, but those kinds of things happen all the time. This was the point. If you pay attention and it's not like I want to be involved in that stuff. I, I, uh, at least five times in the last six months have had to pull over on the side of the road because of a car crash. I drive like 30,000 miles a year across the country. So yeah. you'd be driving along and you just, I guess you don't have to pull over, but I mean, yeah. I couldn't drive past after watching a car go off in the trees or somebody super rear end, you know? Yeah. So anyway, to your, right. at the point I made is that stuff happens because I would just pay attention to it. And that just, I be, I went to uh, school for the fun of it as a li- early twenties. Did the EMT basic program. I'm like, this would be good stuff to know. Never did it yeah. for work, 
uh, you know, 20 years ago and just trained like crazy. But this is what I was going to say, and then I'll get off of it. There's a flip side to all of this. So my life isn't like, oh, this is some dude that like knew what he wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. There's a, <laughs> there's a whole dark side. I've been handcuffed. I've sat in jail. I've had friends that went to prison. Uh, I'm not a, a, a criminal, but I hung out with bad dudes, made bad decisions uh, by the by the grace of God and uh, uh, the skin of my teeth. I grew out of that, but I knew dudes. This was the part that I wanted to pass on to listeners or viewers. I yeah. knew dudes uh, that had not, not a problem with beating the hell out of somebody and taking their stuff with breaking into somebody's home. So when I talk to people about like home invasions or protecting your property, uh, I can look at a house and be like, that's how I break into that house. <laughs> like and, with and, some and, level of efficacy. and and Yeah. And it's not that I was not breaking into people's homes, but I mean like this is stuff like I grew up around some dudes that one of them has just got out of prison for like the fifth time, not, not County jail, but you know, prison state penitentiary stuff. And you know, guys that were, were doing drugs, selling drugs. And that's not, I'm not proud to talk about that. Neither am I trying to pretend like I'm some thug, but even where we lived, I just happened to surround myself for a portion of my young life with some dudes. I mean, guys that some of them got in trouble for some really bad stuff. Yeah. And it's easy when you start to go down that rabbit hole, as you said, you start to go down into that world where you begin to care less and less about your fellow person and you begin to start to get that criminal mind where you look at people's stuff as something that's not their stuff, but it's just stuff. Just stuff. And you, yeah. And you can rationalize doing evil things, criminal things. So I, you know, I've, I've told this to people over the years and they're like, what? Like you did that stuff. I'm like, yes and no. Uh, I mean, I'm not a felon or anything like that. I don't have some crazy criminal record, but I understand how easy it is for even kids that grow up in nice places and, and such to do bad things. And it's. Yeah, no, I, I always have a saying and a lot of people, sometimes people oppose me on it, but I don't know. I believe it. I think everyone's capable of everything. You just haven't been in the right synergy of situations yet to unlock the, at least the temptation to do it. Yeah. Because, I mean that the ways that we were twisted up, in Iraq and you know I've I've been around the world I've seen over 60 some odd countries and been in a number of different situations with you know high powered like you know VIPs and millionaires and billionaires and royalty and these other different types of people I just think that if you don't think you're capable of it you probably just don't understand mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's probably mm -hmm. just you know sometimes it's good to try to understand sometimes it's good to just Try to have grace for those folks who made those bad decisions and, <laughs> you know, just uh, that's why I don't judge you. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. Just, it's interesting that you had the, that myriad and like that kaleidoscope of experience, you know, even, you know, in a civilian lifespan to have those emergencies and that kind of those alarms go off. It seems like learning to carry a gun and things like that was just kind of like the natural progression for you. Something that you saw as a necessity and something that, I mean, just made sense that's not saying like i'm like tourniqueting people or you know <laughs> like starting yeah, no, hearts no. but i mean i was i was a carpenter for years i i'm a fifth generation carpenter i saw a dude saw his leg off 
I saw a wall uh, fall and cr- crush three dudes and we had to dig them out. I, yeah. I saw a guy fall like 40 feet one time and break his back. Um, and then of course, little things like guys sawing arms and hands open and that kind of stuff. I wasn't even including in that, but, um, just about a year ago, I was at a local diner with uh, a friend having lunch and a group of four elderly women who are in this local little diner. It's like one of those diners, you know, where everybody knows each other and yeah. brings you what you want because you're there every day. All the time. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the, the gals at the table said, I don't remember the lady's name, but she's like, Gertrude, Gertrude, are you OK? Yeah, and boy, I don't know I why, but I just like. I just kind of like looked. the tone of her voice was you, know, you could sense that she was perturbed. So I looked and it was like textbook. The lady's doing this. So yeah. I stood up and I said, are you choking? And she like her eyes are bulging out. So I told the ladies get up because this woman's like in the back of the booth. Of course. And I grabbed her and I, she's standing there. I looked at her. I said, you can't breathe. And she couldn't, you know, couldn't scream. Good <laughs> indication. So I'm yeah. trying to look in her mouth and I can't see anything. So I spun her around, gave her like three good whacks with the Heimlich and she coughed yeah. up like a piece of sausage or whatever. And at the same time, I'm telling the waitress who I know very well to call 911. And I look up as I'm now the lady's breathing and I'm holding her. She was a little tiny, frail, like 90, 100 pound lady. Yeah. In the restaurant, like, <laughs> you know, they're all like, just like froze watching. And it was like, Nobody still has called 911. No, I think it broke this lady's rib. I really cranked on her. Yeah. And so, so finally, I, I like literally went boom, boom. I set this lady down on a chair and dropped money on the table and left because I don't want to sit here and have to like wait. And the, gr- yeah. the girl that I was with, we both were kind of like, I was a little dazed about it. And then later I thought about it. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool that I happen to be sitting there because nobody else moved, you know, oh, but I got that stuff happens no. all the time. They would have got their cell phones out and I'd be reposting a video of a lady choking yeah. next week. Yeah, people right? drop, on the, drop to the ground all the time from various things. And I think we just don't pay attention. That's the truth. That's definitely yeah. the truth. So what would you say, I guess, why do you do what you do then with your podcast and your training and all these different things? It's a good, that's a good question. To be honest, I, if you asked me that three or four years ago, five years ago, I would have told you something different. And I think the almost 41-year-old version of me would tell you two things. One, it's, it's to help people understand that they don't need to be perfect to make a difference in the world, because I'm surely not. And, and the second thing is, is all of this is also, sometimes like artists, they paint things because it's like the only way they can express themselves. And I'm not an artist, but like, this is like my masterpiece no nah, i mean i don't want it doesn't want it to sound like that because that sounds stupid but it's, it's not a masterpiece it's me it's me like even if you think like a crazy like i'm just like like sculpting with clay it's, yeah. it's what's inside of me and i'm trying to get it out and if this is what it sounds like or looks like that's what it is and if you don't like it and you hate it that's okay yeah and that's that's kind of like it's you know i was talking to somebody yesterday they were like hey i appreciate something you said and I got the impression that they thought that what I said was like something I've mastered. And I said, I hope you know, half the stuff or more that I talk about are things that I'm wrestling with myself. Yeah. Like it's me, it's me having the discussion with myself, with you present. Who, who, yeah. With whoever's listening. And like, we worked through it together, you know? 
Yeah, man. I think the weapons are just a, a means to an end. It's a connection, you know, it's a tool. Mm, like a type of to, as, as with, Yeah, with which to, like, I could probably, guys like sports. I don't care about sports, but like, you know, that's mm, like, that's either. the thing or cars or whatever. It's like, I like shooting. I'm pretty good at it and I, I enjoy it. And it is a relevant skill. Yeah. Uh, but to me, if you don't love yourself, if you are not a, uh, a person that can sleep at night and forgive yourself for past transgressions against yourself or others, yeah. provided you're no longer doing them, what's the point of being an excellent shooter? What's the, what kind of life are you protecting? Yeah. So you just, you, you, you I, I completely agree with you, man. Yeah. So there's just a much, much deeper level to all of this. The, skill sets with regards to the weaponry it's one aspect of who you are we're much deeper than all of these things now um i I mean i I suppose you could say that i yeah deeper or maybe it's just like like maybe is it deeper like 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 we're down here or is it like this where it's all just you know is it yeah i don't know yeah yeah okay good to go so what would be so with carrie trainer what's your mission uh, to really one of the main things that has caused us to get any kind of a presence is I like to dispel nonsense and there's people that take, that take anything like that. And I tell people like, Hey, if you don't, if you don't agree, like, tell me why. And for one, you don't have to make me agree. I'm just, this is just my opinion, but my opinion's been validated by basically anybody that I come in contact with that knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not because I'm right. It's because the material's right. And so many people yeah. have added so much stuff. I'm at jujitsu this morning. I'm talking with the guy that runs the biggest jujitsu practitioners in the world. Got have a hard time getting training partners. And I'm like, why? Because they like break their arms. And he's like, no, because they only drill like five or six things, and it's boring. And huh. and like like a really the essence of jujitsu is just really basic foundational skills and guys have added like, well, here's like my take on a certain choke. Don't put your finger here, put it there. Like all these little weird nuances and there's might be some value to it. But at the end of the day, if you're carrying a firearm, you should be able to draw safely point it in the general direction of what you need to hit, make hits. If you need to Uh pay attention to what's going on, safely get the gun put away if need be, have the skill to keep the gun working. I mean, it's really simple stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's definitely like right and wrong ways, but I think guys have, I don't know if you saw the target that we came up with. Did you see it? I haven't seen it. You'll have to go look it up, but you know, everybody makes their own target now because we're all so special that we have to make our own target. That's got our brand on it. Uh-huh. And I'm not insulting that cause that's cool. It's business. Yeah. But I kind of made one that people go look it up. It's on carrytrainer.com. It's it's kind of a, a kind of a joke, but it's not a joke. It's a hard target. You got to you load <laughs> two two magazines with four rounds each, three yeah. meters from the target, and there is a one and three quarter inch triangle. Okay. There's a three inch by six inch target, and there's two two inch circles. Okay. So there's there's small target zones. Yeah. You draw. And you have to put each target zone requires uh, the triangle gets one hit, the, the rectangle gets three, 
and the circles get two each. So your two mags, it's eight rounds total and your two mags of four rounds, you got to reload somewhere in there. So you just got to figure out and it tells you how many rounds. And basically it it looks like a man's private parts. (laughs) I have seen it. It it, it, it does, but it doesn't. Like if you look at it, it's made to not look like it, but it's a total joke. But it is a hard target. Yeah, it's a hard target. So so like I like and it's meant to be like just a like lighten up dudes like yeah. if you i've had guys say i'm not shooting that and it's like okay like go yeah. shoot your like one that's got like a the uh you know dagger on it and skull uh, and yeah. <laughs> dudes just get yeah. dudes just get way too into this romance around this thing i feel like yeah man and you know what it's not romantic like you know, Customato said, people say Mike Tyson, but Customato is the one that said it. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I don't know how many dudes, especially like social media types, yeah. like I look at them as like, dude, like most of the guys I know that I train with are all pretty bad men. Like mm-hmm. I, I, you look at these guys and they, they want to think that it's like this sexy thing. Like it's not dude. Like, when one of your teeth is busted out because somebody elbow struck your face or yeah. clubbed the back of your head, like all your other stuff isn't going to seem so like hot and sexy. No, you're just going to you're going to be having a conversation with yourself about how you need to fight harder and not die. That's about all that's going to be going through <laughs> your head. It's like, I'm if gonna, you think about that. This isn't how it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to draw and I'm going to shoot while yeah. I'm blocking. And then I'm going to take two steps to the left. Uh-uh. You're you know, going to be sitting going, no, 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 no. <laughs> like fighting. That's, yeah. That's yeah. So I get some hate for that. And yeah. I think it's because it's like, we're not, you know, playing we're, the game, we're, yeah. And we're kind of like peeing on people's little people's, party. uh, what's that? Peeing on their party, man. <laughs> They're trying yeah, to like, like and it, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, people have these these sacred cows. Well, yes, they're called. That's that's one of them. These are like and these are like sacred cows to people. Like, you know, two to the body, one to the head. Well, like, let's talk about where the Mozambique drill came from and why. Like, it's not yeah. just like it's not like just the thing you do, just things like that where guys break it down, break it down for the listeners though. Where the Mozambique. Well, that's a good, that's, you know, interesting. So Super Dave Harrington, uh, who's a mentor of mine, one of the guys that, that uh, ran part of the uh, Range 37 where Green Berets do their business. Um, he talks about this in class. And this was literally a man, these guys are sitting at a table, dude comes in, needs to be shot, and he shoots him in the chest and gets no result. He shoots him in the chest again, gets no result. And this is like fractions of seconds now. So he yeah. shoots him in the face and that's the end of it. And the guy had body armor on. The thing is like, guys will hear that. I've got copper friends from town here. And yeah. in their mind, if I draw my gun, it's two to the body, one to the head. Yeah. What if you don't see his head? What if you don't see his body? What if he moves? Like, like, we can fire a gun, most of us, like five to six times a second. We can think slower than our finger can actually move, and we can react slower than our finger can move. So you've decided you're going to draw and shoot some predetermined amount of rounds. 
dude's not going to stand there and be like, all right, give me two and one. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to move. It's just silliness. And yeah. I think that's what people are not training to think they're Pat, uh, not Patrick, Travis Haley started saying this thinkers uh, before shooters, something like that. Uh, Ron Avery, who just passed away, that was one of his mantras. And it, that comes back to the goal. What's my goal? Is my goal to be really good at performing like cool range kata? Yes. What's that? I love yeah. the range kata. That's, that that's what it is. Somebody just posted a video on social media today, and the guy was had he had really good range kata. It's yeah, like yeah. when you watch cool. uh, like the. <laughs> The, the martial arts expositions were the, and I'm not making fun cause it's beautiful, but like the guys do all the flips and kicks and it's like yeah. a guy by himself and yeah. they pull out swords and nunchucks and all that. It's yeah, cool. the demonstration, man, the kata, I dig it. Yeah, but that's, but it's not fighting. No, it's not fighting. And so like this guy was like, he, he was like 10 feet from the target shooting from retention. Yeah. I was like, well, that's weird. Like, why are you doing that? And then like, he like, did like these five or six things and they were like these they were well executed movements for the wrong thing you know it was like well which tells me that the person the practitioner doesn't fully understand what they're doing and they're just mimicking what they see or the person that taught them you know like this for example retention shooting yeah police police we're taught this stuff for years and people may know this may not one it's to block their head, but two it's so they don't shoot themselves while they're training. Cause you might be holding somebody. They yeah. might have your arm. Your arm might be back here holding somebody back. Who knows? But this main movement was, I won't shoot my arm if it's up here. So now yeah. you see all of the, like, especially in the social media realm, sure. videos, rubber dummy, cardboard, and, I actually know one SWAT commander that every draw stroke, if his gun comes out of the holster, and this guy's a little bit older, but no matter what, when the gun is drawn, he pulls his hand up and blocks his head. And I've asked him, like, what are you doing? Well, if I'm drawing my gun, I'm in a fight. But what if the dude's 20? Yeah, what's if he's 20 yards away? What if you're not ready to fire? What if you're about to draw your gun, you know, to a low ready position because you see something unfolding? Yeah. What if, what if it's, it needs to be a concealed draw because you're going to draw, but you don't want anybody to like, this kind of tells it like it, it to him was a subconscious thing every time he drew. And then he would join his hands and like, there's weird stuff like that where the training doesn't support the goal, which then tells you your goal is just to do cool training and you don't really have a good goal. Right. Yeah. No, I totally dig it. And I was alluding towards that at the beginning of this, when we were just talking, I was talking about, you know, people can, can live in this world where they soak up all this information. Uh, but the quality of the information goes relatively unchecked, you know, and so they can come up with these notions like like that. And also people are lazy, you know, intellectually. Our minds are processing something like 40 trillion bits of data per second, I think it was, or something like this. I think that's people a lot. are that's a lot of trash, man. And I think people <laughs> are generally looking for uh shortcuts. You know, he's like, yo, this is a good idea. I draw my weapon, I throw a block. Eh, you know, it, it seems legit, you know what I mean? But you know, it's it's very rare that 
people are getting the opportunity to really test these things out. It's one of the reasons why I post so much like real world combat on my Instagram uh, channels is because, you know, I, I love trying to give people some perspective on this is how these types of engagements are playing out. You mm -hmm. see, you know, very f not frequently do you see an isosceles stance and a stationary shooter and, you know, a target that doesn't move and all these different, you know, things that people do in training, you know, it's, it's, it's a very fluid, like with athletic requirements, a lot of times, even yeah, yeah. These combat engagements, you know? Um, and, uh, I think that's good to try to kind of make it more difficult for people to just do pretty things. You know, I like that you yeah. guys do that. I love that you're all about that, man. What would you say is your favorite quote mantra saying, hmm. and then we'll get into the tactical stuff. A man <laughs> is what he thinks about all day long. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Love it. Man is what he thinks about all day long. It's probably one of my favorites. I think another another top ten would probably be a man's about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. That was Abraham uh, Lincoln. Yeah, that's um, a good one too. That stuff you yeah. can chew on that for you can chew on that for Yeah, days. you listen to that, you're just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wisdom is timeless, man. The stuff is yeah. so I mean, at the end of the day, you know, just just next time you guys are upset, think about what Abe said. You know what I mean? Yeah. A man's about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. And I do know that in my personal experience, just because I remember certain times when I was in Iraq, hadn't showered for three, four days. Like, I was pretty sure we were going to, like, I wasn't going to make it that because we, we got left while our battalion back cleared through Haditha, um, or was it Barwana, and came back to us and... Uh, I just, long story short, I was pretty positive. I was like, we're just not going to make it. We're just going to be up here. They're going to come up this hill and we're going to be done training. We're just going to fight real good. But I was still happy and jovial and cracking jokes. It was a hundred and plus degrees during the day. I was, you know, we couldn't stand up because we were hiding in these craters where they tried to mortar us. And, you know, mm. like we ran out of water, and ran out of food. And we had to go sneak into the city and steal stuff. It was crazy, you know. Uh, but I was still like, you know, keeping my sense of humor, keeping my guys from beating each other up, you know, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it's, at that point, at that point, that's gotta be the best thing to do. Yeah. Heck yeah. No, you just have to laugh about it, you know, pray to your gods, gents. And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> I'm just going to make sure they remember I, us if they come up to Zill. <laughs> you I know, that, that. how did, how did it work out? Um, it worked out. They came back after about seven days. I'll never forget. I have told the story in here before, but I, I'll never forget when they came back to get us. So we were left with a recon unit. They ran over an IED and, and left after the first day. So, you know, I spent about a week on that hill with my guys, my one squad. Um, and uh, we're sure that we weren't going to make it. And uh, But long, long story short, they came to pick us up. And I saw my platoon sergeant driving up in the Humvee in, you know, the convoy. And I was like, Tonto, Tonto, this silverback. And he's like, send it. And I had already turned the radio off and everything. You know, I was like, I, I can't turn the radio on to their line of sight because we, we're going to run out of battery and just disappear on this hill. And, uh, you know, Tonto, this silverback, he's like, send it. I'm like, I'm so upset inside that I don't even know what to say. I'm so upset. And I'm just staring at him. But I just remember being like, He's rolling up in the convoy, and I just remember being like, I'm thirsty. With no hesitation, he comes back. Ah, silverback, drink your piss. Stand by. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> no mercy. No mercy, man. But, yeah, they got us, and 
got us off that hill and you know we just went on with the deployment like it wasn't no thing i thank god and you know here here i am that's the game i dig it yeah man it was this i mean it's stuff i'd never give back you know not easy stuff i never give back um yeah man have you ever had to draw your firearm nope i'm very very grateful for that you know i think uh I think there are times that few times in my life I have, I've been involved in some violence before, but for the most part, you know, this is something we talk about with folks all the time. For the most part, almost anything can be avoided except true predatory violence, which, you know, that's, that's like that guy that knocked on that girl's door that evening. That's the guy that, uh, that's kids playing the knockout game where they're just bashing up old ladies on park benches, that kind of stuff can be avoided but you know the i saw a guy get his jaw broke once like wired shut for a year over the most ridiculous ridiculous thing and like stuff like that hey man peace have a good night you know you're right i'm wrong i don't care yeah exactly i'm with you on that man i feel bad for these guys their egos are so brittle they got to prove stuff i'm like no that's great um Okay, have a good night. Yeah, that's literally my same line. Unless mm-hmm. you're really putting someone in my group in the way of physical harm and obstructing my path to leave you alone, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get me to do anything stupid. My life's too beautiful. I have too much to put on the line. It's just mm-hmm. not worth it. You know what I mean? Like, have a nice day. I'm sorry that you're so angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel compassion for how much your life probably like sucks that you're doing this you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. where you're at emotionally and psychologically to 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 do this to us (laughs) you know you never know who's around you that's what comes to mind like i could be the same one you could be the same one i i have the ability to have a temper if i if i allow myself to i remember one time saying the wrong thing to a guy i was Mm -hmm. mid-20s and it got physical and later I thought about it years later and it was like, well, that guy was just looking for somebody to let loose on. And I just happened to be the guy. And it's, it, what's scary is that people oftentimes turn a situation like that into a violent deadly force scenario that it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And there's a recent shooting that happened. Well, it's about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, I think it was Georgia or in the Carolinas. Uh, friend of mine's company represented the defendant guys at like a, a biker convention kind of thing. And a bunch of, you know, like middle-class folks that are out riding bikes on weekends and stuff like it wasn't Sturgis, but it wasn't even like that. Two dudes that used to be friends, they're having words. They not, they're no longer friends. And one of them is, is significantly larger than the other larger guys kind of being a bully eventually like punches this guy. And this happens like a few times where they make contact, turns physical, they break contact, and then it starts again. The victim went and armed himself, and he's still at this event. He's got a right to be here. This bigger guy's beating the heck out of him. He shoots him once, the guy dies. And they charged him with uh, murder, and it ended up getting all dropped because he had a legal right to be there, and uh, he was defending himself from a much larger man that was physically beating him about the head. And you know what the poundage is on that? 
when it comes to lethal force. Um, Are you talking about like for disparity of force? Yeah, like I don't remember. Well, what it te- was. technically, it's not even just poundage because it could be uh, you could be a hundred and ten pound Bruce Lee yeah. against somebody your size that has no training, and somebody could say like this guy had the training and the wherewithal. So it's it's there's definitely context to that. Mm-hmm. But so this guy gets off hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees, but like, dude, so you had a right to be there. And then you spent a year of your life or more and you lost your job and like, you know, shot for your- what? And you yeah. shot a guy that you once cared about. Like it's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. It is dumb. I, I, self, I tell folks all the time, like most of us never in our life will have a really good reason to ever shoot somebody. And there's huh. reasons, but it might not be a really good reason. Yeah. And you want it to be the only reason. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, it just, I, I just, that's my perspective on it. You know, like there was a couple of times, there was definitely a time, a specific time in Iraq where I got blown up. I got hit with 60 some odd pounds of homemade explosives after they did a blast mm. and blew up directly underneath me. Thought I was done training. Thought I had like a little out of body experience. Long story short, we're looking at these guys and we're like, Hey, do you speak English? The guys are all not in their men. I mean, they're dressed like Muj, Hadeen, straight up sweatsuits. You know, when they're not wearing their uh, man, you know, their their dresses, for lack of a better term, forgive me, uh, they're there to fight. Like, that's what kind of party we're having. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in their Adidas track suits and they're in their, like, sneakers. And in this city, when we had already dropped leaflets saying, hey, we're going to invade tomorrow. If you're still here, you'll be treated like the enemy. Um, and there'd been no one in the city. And then we get blown up. We, you know, we scour the little town, pull these guys out. They're looking at us. We're like, Hey, who speaks English? They're right next to where I got blown up. So anyways, these guys were the guys that blew us up. One could very easily come to this conclusion. And, you know, we ask him, you speak English. Guy looks at me and he's like, I don't speak English. And now, you know, <laughs> this is one of those moments where it's like, you know, I could have, you know, I could have justified some type of force there or even lethal force, you know, like things happen, but you know, I didn't. Um, and there are a number of different times over there where that's the one that, you know, always sticks in my brain because, you know, those guys blew me up and I got to look them in the eyes and smell their breath and smile at them and tell them, Hey, all right, well, have a nice day. We'll see you out there. I like Um, that. You know, but at the same time, you know, I have a clean conscience. The, the other guys in my squad, you know, that I was responsible for, don't have to live with anything, you know, and um, no one's still an alcoholic or did anything crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. PTSD mm-hmm. is pretty managed, you know, so, um, I it. you know, I feel good about that call. But, you know, the times that we have had to do it, I felt like it was the best option. So, uh, yeah, no, I dig it, man. I, I agree 100%. I think there's too many people. I did a video a couple of years ago and basically the premise was stop looking for when you get to shoot somebody. Yeah. Because like, I think there's literally folks, I made a joke earlier about like, please God make today be the day that there's a shooting that's caught on tape where I'm the hero. I think there's dudes that want that. And I think all of us men, especially we fantasize about, saving the day and all that stuff. And 
oh, Byron, you're so amazing. And like everybody likes that, mm-hmm. but it's because you're not enough, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're not enough who you are. And of course, mm-hmm. even when that happens, you could save the whole world, like in a movie, six months later, nobody will know your name anyway. Yeah, no, I don't know your yeah. name, and you'll want something new, and you'll be like, what's next, if you're not paying uh-huh. attention? <laughs> you know, if you're not, mm-hmm. you know, doing mm-hmm. the internal work. And that's the game. No, I agree with you 100%. I think, I don't know, I, may, I think maybe there's something inside of, I mean, men, especially for me, when I was getting ready to go into the military, I was like, well, I want to get my manhood settled, you know? I got a big macho dad, like my dad is like, still more macho than me right but i wanted to be like i can get this for myself i'm gonna earn it myself and you know my masculinity my manhood will never be in question i went to war when i was 18 you know and i'm glad i did it and i see pain in some guys eyes when they haven't reconciled this aspect of their psychology i don't know i feel like there's something to it sometimes when they- i understand what you're saying you know it's funny guys i've talked about that with friends of mine and yeah What I'm about to say, people can easily misconstrued. I've done and seen things that you'll never do and see. And you've done and seen things I'll never do and see. This is like the human experience of everyone. Yeah, like there's there's things that have happened in my life that I wouldn't want anybody to go through. Right. Because it's freaking horrific. And, And so I get exactly the point that you're saying. It's funny. It's that test that you're talking about. I, yeah, that's that p- poets have written about that. Yeah. Uh, the, the ancient Greeks, some of those. I think uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius talked about that in some of his yeah. writing. It's in the psychology in there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, just like a, a male deer or ram mm-hmm. flexing and showing, showing what's what. Yeah. I think it's just good to find good outlets, man. Like, I don't know. Uh, that's a whole nother pod. That's another entire podcast, right there. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. Well, what do you think about? All right, so we'll get into the tactical stuff a little bit here. Yeah, pistol of choice. Uh, you know, like there's a for me. Yeah, it's the one you. It's the one you shoot the best, right? And uh, I mean, uh, you know, Glock nineteen, uh, Glock ish pistols. I just was talking to Ernest Langan yesterday for anybody that doesn't know who Ernest Langan is. He was a Marine, uh, ran, uh, the sniper, sniper, scout sniper school, went to Ranger school. He was a very, very, uh, uh, prestigious back, has a very prestigious background, has trained the secret service, the FBI, uh, like every three letter agency. He just was with LAPD doing their guys, Right. Grandmaster shooter, world champion, competitive shooter on top of being this badass uh, veteran. And he t- what, we were, what we're talking about was like guys talk about like Glock perfection. I've seen Glocks break over and over again on the line. Every, every mechanical tool breaks. Glock's a good gun. I love a Beretta. I shoot a yeah. 92 series Beretta. I shoot one of Ernest's tuned up Berettas. I've shot a Wilson combat for a handful of years. Their, their version of the 92. Yeah. Um, I think if I had to walk into my well-stocked gun room and grab a gun yeah. and that was the one, it'd probably be a Glock 19. Yeah. That's what's yeah. up. That's what's up. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's too easy to find a holster sites, magazines, parts, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's part of it. It's like I drive a Ford F-150. I can pull into any parts store in the United States and get a starter, a set of brakes. You know, it's just a logistics thing. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, I carried a Glock for a long time. I recently, though, did switch over to the CZ P10C. Fantastic gun. Yeah, yeah, it is, man. I love it. There's just a lot I love about both of them, but for like what you're getting for the price, I mean, the dependability and all the different options, the Glock is like a fantastic like starter. The Glock 19 is where it's at. Okay, so pistol of choice, you'd say the Glock. I mean, if, 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 but I guess if I only could pick one for the rest of my life, it would yeah, be like probably 92G. 90, 92G, which is the decock only Beretta. So there's no safety. That little thumb lever doesn't go to yeah. safe, it just decocks only. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, yeah, my buddy Luke has had a Wilson combat, has a Wilson combat one, and he's, Loved it, loves it, loved it. Uh, he's a competitive shooter too. He's, he's, you know, the better of definitely the better out of most of my friends. Um, why would you say? Why, what do you love about that one? About your Beretta? Well, I think it's in general. You know, there's so many fads in this business, and just right. like some of those, some like some of those training kata weirdness. There is, yeah. look, Glock's the gun. Get the Glock. Why? Because it's you know all these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's also got a garbage trigger. It's also ergonomically not that comfortable. It's also ugly. It's also, you know, I, mean, I don't care about looks. It's it's a great gun, but it's built, it's also built to be affordable. It could be, it's why it comes with plastic sights and things like that. It would cost more money if they made it better. It's a happy medium where most people can afford it, where yeah. it's made with parts that are, that are, um, have longevity. Most people buy guns like that. They don't realize that they should be swapping parts every three, four, 5,000 rounds. Like mm. when's the last time you replace a recoil spring? You have to replace that. You know, like those guns are not made to, none of them are made to last forever. The 92 yeah. is just such a wonderful platform and they got uh-huh. a bad rap because guys that shoot the ones that the military had that were just beat to heck. But yeah. if one's, if, if, if it's a, a maintained firearm. I've got, I've got one with like 50,000 rounds through it. Uh, There's, they shoot like crazy. They're super accurate. That double action people talk about, like you shouldn't need to learn two trigger pulls. That's another one of those nonsensical arguments. It's like this car has five gears or six gears. Like I only need one. Like you figure it out. And when you figure (laughs) it out, it makes you a better shooter because you, you learn to think through what's happening in your hand. Wow. Okay. That's a good, good way. How would you tell a newer uh, shooter to approach choosing a firearm? Definitely um, not a tiny gun because a smaller gun is something that's harder to shoot than a larger gun. You got to be able to yeah. hold on to it could not be bought because your husband or boyfriend or buddy told you it's the one. Not everybody's, <laughs> not everybody's hands are the same. I own a lot of pistols. And like, if I've got new students, I'll take like I, a Walter PPQ. I have found is yeah. my favorite gun for women. Um, I love the gun myself. It's a Glock 19 size gun. Yeah. Uh, but ladies just love the ergonomics of it. It's got a lot of roundness to it. So there's not like sharp edges. Yeah. Uh, so I find one that fits your hand 
excuse me, but it's not just comfortable because you got to be able to hold it and shoot it. So oftentimes that's why a good gun store will have a rental range where you can rent them. And that's a mistake people make. Well, it feels good, but does that feeling correlate to you being able to shoot it? Yeah. And then again, what's the goal? Well, I want to just have a target gun. Cool, man. Let's get a beautiful, uh, uh, Browning Buckmark 22 or, a uh, yeah. I don't know, a Ruger, a Ruger 22. If you just want a good target gun, yeah, a good bedside gun. All right. I got a beautiful Glock 19 with a beautiful surefire light on it. Done. Drop it in the drawer. Oh, you want to carry it? And you like to go jogging and you know, that, 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 like you got to figure out what's the goal. This is evolving, yeah. Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do with it? And then guys will say, well, I want to target shoot. I want to carry it. I want to tactically compete with it. I want to, you know, work for the, <laughs> like, you know, they got, I, that's not, doesn't work either. I want to work for the nuclear power plant. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to no, go. But, no, but it's true. It's true. I, I carried for my exposed work. I, I carried my uh, 17 and then for my CCW, I carried my 19 for like anything really small. I would have my uh, Walther PPS nine with me. Um, I love that thing. It's got that double spring in it. And I, I really think it outperforms the shield in my opinion with that. Um, that was the first, that was the first single stack striker polymer gun on the market. That gun's up to over 20 years old. Wow. Really? Yeah. All those, that shield was like a direct copy of it when Smith and Wesson was importing Walter's guns. Wow. They, they like stole a bunch of design parts off of it. My words, nobody else's. <laughs> Noted. Good. Good to know. Yeah, man. I've always put that one next to the shield whenever I'm out with my buddies and they're like, yeah, let me, I got my shield. I'm like, you just like that gun because it looks like pretty, you know? <laughs> and then I mm-hmm. let them shoot the ball through and they're like, wow, okay. Oh, yeah. The amb- trigger's yeah. great. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. The ambidextrous uh, mag release is a little bit weird at first, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm switching over to the CZ stuff and I like their uh, P10F that I'm going to roll exposed with all the way down to the S, uh, which will be my, like going to the gym gun, you know, roll up on me in the gym, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, right. I'm still, you know, be ready to roll. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but the, uh, you're 100% correct. Like you use different tools for different applications. You know, I think if you're trying to, you know, like your Glock 19 or your, uh, P10C size gun can, cover a large array of things but it can't do the most things best would be kind and of that's my, why i think there are people like them so much you can yeah. you've got a good trade-off of size capacity yeah. suitability yeah all that good stuff no that's a good move so okay picking a gun and i always say you know what it's like dating you need to shoot the gun you need to perf- like you need to shoot the gun and run through some paces with the thing in order to really know what it is you really like because i went through yeah. phases i went through i'm you know i went through all kinds of different guns before i really fell in love uh and it's i, I think it's like dating you know that's really what i what i look at it as uh do you have an ammo of choice like a home defense ammo or a, a duty ammo yeah, I shoot Supervel. Supervel was designed by Lee Juris in the 1960s. He invented the jacketed hollow point round. So the Spear, the Remington, the Hornady, all that stuff didn't exist till Lee Juris invented it. And actually his round was, by some accounts, is still the most uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for. It shot more bad guys from law enforcement than any round to date. Yeah. Uh, they basically went out of business because he set himself up where he was buying brass from the big companies and loading with their brass, but it was his projectile. Eventually, yeah. big companies were like, this guy's selling so much ammo, we need to just cut him out. And then he went bust. Anyway, remarketed now. Uh, they're pioneering new stuff. They make all copper projectiles, which is definitely like going to be the next phase of hollow point uh, ammunition. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, the machining didn't exist years ago to do it efficiently. And yeah. it's, it's more expensive than buy uh, metal bullets, lead uh, bullets that are, that are um, jacketed in copper. But it's, you basically have total reliability with expansion. You have uh, great weight retention where like the big thing with ammo is you don't want it to break apart when it hits glass or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's excels in everything. It's so that's the Supervel. Uh, and I shoot their training ammo. They make uh, like regular 115 grain, 147 grain training ammo yeah. and stuff like that. So oh, total, total uh, uh, transparency. We've been working with them for several years and it's not that uh, I went to them to say, I want to work with you because Pat Sweeney of guns and ammo, Pat's like a, well-known veteran gun writer in the u.s did an article like four years ago on the ammo and he tested it with like five other ammos he tested that they make supervel stands for super velocity so he tested it against some other ammos on the market and that was lee juris's speed kills that was lee's thought process the speed of the bullet is really what's transferring energy Uh, slow moving bullets uh, that are that are light, light meaning like 115, 147 grain. There's not a lot of energy, so we're talking like this 90 grain bullets doing like 1500, 1600 feet per second out of a mm-hmm. pistol. Yeah, it's cooking versus like 1100, you know, a thousand for like a regular nine mil. Anyway, Pat, master class shooter from back in the day, does the write up, tests it 25 yards off a sandbag. His his test gun was a. Uh, STI longbow. So it's a gorgeous top of the line, the nine millimeter, 1911. It's like a $4,000 gun, but okay. 25 yards, a 10 shot group was five eighths of an inch out of a pistol. Five, that's a, that's a, that's, that's smaller than a nickel, a nickel. Nothing a moved. Nickel. <laughs> Jeez. Nothing I mean, moved. Like, I don't have the ability to do that, but, yeah. um, I was just at one of my classes in Florida. Like the world stopped moving when he was shooting like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that rotation of the earth. Stuff. I was at a class in Florida recently, and one of my guys wanted to yeah. shoot my my Langdon Beretta, and we're uh-huh. at twenty five yards with the students shooting groups. And the guy next to me is a, he's a good shooter. He shot seven or eight rounds at twenty five yards, and we're looking. And we walked down range with everybody, and I called everybody over. Donovan's his name. Great mm. dude. Um, it's probably about an inch and a quarter group freestyle standing out of my, out of my beautiful Langdon tactical Beretta with that super bell. It's the tolerances. They, they, they've got such crazy, uh, quality control that it produces good ammo. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, geez, I haven't, you're opening my world to this super veil. I haven't really, I know all that about him. That's what's up, man. Okay. 
Um, holsters. The whole holster game. Yeah. Okay. I like less is more, man. I okay. use better better holsters out of Florida. Uh, he started in his garage about seven, eight years ago okay. and um, is now 40 people strong. Okay. A big company. They got their own machine shop. They, they better. make... Better V E D D E R S. They make a great inside the waistband holster. It's just a simple, well designed holster that gets the job done. And great clip, uh, good angles. They hold the gun in the right way. Just less is more. You know, like you got holsters that guys put stuff on them, and I don't want more stuff in my pants. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Are we talking leather, Kydex? We got tactical fuzz. What are we doing? Kydex. This is just a basic Kydex holster. They do make a, a hybrid. They make some outside the waistband stuff. Um, yeah. But for like, if somebody just is like looking for like a quality holster that they can wear because there's some adjustment, either appendix or uh, strong side or like over the butt cheek, five o'clock ish, yeah. um, that these holsters will do it. Okay. Better holsters. And there's definitely, I got holsters from, I've got like, Tupperware tubs full of holsters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely other good makers out there, but they're my go-to. Yeah. 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 No, I dig it. Like the holster thing is it's, I mean, (laughs) for me, it's like this passive, you know, relationship with these items, you know, it's that I get a holster that holds me over for a while and then I find something better. Um, Neoteric Arms, Neoteric Arms. Don't ask me to spell that. I'll just put the link in the. I don't thing. know them. Yeah, no, it's a, a guy that I kind of started shooting with. He's just getting started, but uh, he's made me some holsters, and I'm really digging them. And now I'm rocking his holsters. Awesome. Before that, uh, yeah, no, I like him a lot. He put my, he kind may have made me a little biased. He put my company emblem on him <laughs> and folded it. It's kind of ninja, right? I got um, I got wrapped around my chair here. I'm listening to you. Yeah, no worries. That and then uh, I went G-code for the longest. Yeah, good uh, stuff, man. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. And part of it's like, what do you like? Yeah. I just like less stuff. I want, yeah. like these holsters are a beautiful Kydex clamshell. They're made right. The rough yeah. spots are all rounded. Two mm-hmm. screws, a very good spring steel clip, done. Yep. You know, there's not like all kinds of, I, I don't need it. Some guys like wedges and they want, all, and this company makes all that stuff, but uh-huh. yeah. uh, we, we help with some of their product development. I just okay. think a lot of people are designing stuff that's not necessary. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the firearms game. Like we were talking about earlier, making it like, yeah. you know, more sophisticated than it needs to be. Do you dress to the holster? Or does the holster dress to you? How do you do this when you're, well, that's a good question. I think the main thing is again, what's the goal? If I have to have a Glock 17 on me, I'm going to have to dress appropriately. I think Mm -hmm. dudes walking around like this, you know, (laughs) I I think that's dumb, but, um, for the most part, I dress so I don't want anybody to know that I'm armed, but I also want to be able to, you know, get the gun out and do whatever I got to do. Yeah. 100%. Do you have any advice off the top of your head? Uh, Mickey, for someone considering to carry a concealed weapon. So like, I'm thinking about doing this. I kind of want to do it. You know, what kind of considerations do you want to give them? Uh, You know, we mentioned earlier, what's your goal? So Mm -hmm. I I think I like that question a lot. So if somebody's goal is I want to carry a gun, why? And Mm -hmm. the goal is that you want to be able to defend your 
own physical body and other loved ones and innocent life around you that will dictate some things. Uh, then where do you live and work? What kind of environment are you in? Same things that you go through when you do threat assessments. Uh, people say, well, this is my winter gun because I have a bigger chunk of clothes on. So I always chuckle. Yeah. So in the winter, you wear a bigger gun because you're able to. In the summer, you wear a smaller gun because you don't dress to hide it. Like, does do the bad guys change winter to summer? You know, it's kind of interesting. So yeah. I think a very important thing is to look at empirical data related to actual crime. Uh, some studies that like the FBI and the Department of Justice uh, sorry, Bureau of Justice and some others have put out over the past 40 years. There's some staggering statistics. One one says that uh, true violent criminal attacks often involve more than one person. Uh, I think it's somewhere around 46%, one statistic said, involves wow. two people. So okay. um, I think that's a good thing to think about. Uh, another one is under <clears throat> how handguns actually stop a human. Um, I, I think folks oftentimes have the misconception, like in the movies, uh, you probably saw it with your own two eyes. People get shot and they don't just immediately fall down and roll their eyes back. And they don't even know it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got friends. One friend of mine was shot uh, at 45 ACP out of a Glock. He was a cop. The bad guy shot him in the face. Almost contact, hit him in the jaw. It blew out his neck. He was hit in the vest, arm, buttocks, and uh, he fought and killed the guy. The interesting thing is, though, the the gentleman that he well, not gentleman, the person that he killed uh, took thirteen rounds out of a forty, and these are duty rounds, not just uh, paper killing rounds. I mean, yeah, yeah, human killing rounds. His 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 uh, heart was clipped. His liver was hit he was standing dead you know there was even if there was a trauma surgeon in a table there this guy was for yeah. yeah but he had enough time for this 20 30 second gunfight to play out and i uh. think people don't think about that um uh, they look at these videos that have become popular like well here's how it goes down the guy got shot once and he dropped or he fired uh. twice and the bad guy ran away there are also hundreds of recorded instances of that not happening uh, I have a student of mine that uh, was a, actually a podcast of it up, but he talked about shooting a drugged uh, lunatic. Yeah, he shot him at about four feet with a three fifty seven or yeah three fifty seven sig, which yeah. is a forty cal knock neck down to a nine millimeter, smoking hot round. Uh -huh. Secret yeah. Service uses it. TSA uh -huh. uses it. Uh, he said when he hit that guy. It was square in the center of his sternum, right where we are talking. Hit. Dude did nothing, kept coming. He said, literally, there wasn't a change of expression, nothing. And why that's important, we hear the stories where the guy got shot once and he fell. Mm, and, yeah. Okay, good. My, my J-frame, that's all I need. Yep. And the argument quickly goes like something's better than nothing. And, and I try to remind people we're not in – uh, World War One, France, where we're going to try to get anything we can in America. Uh, you can walk into a gun store and buy pretty much pretty good gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So understand what 
actual threats exist, understand how handguns and the rounds coming out of them physically stop a human sized mammal, um, dogs, uh, 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 an animal that you might have to shoot. Then there's more than people that are threats and understand that sometimes it can require more than one round to stop a person. It's funny. You look yeah. on the interwebs and people say, oh, I've got a seven shot gun. If it takes more than that, I, I stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say to students who decides when the bad guy stops and they think right. about it and, and they're like, I do. And it's like, no, cause you could just say stop and he'd stop. They decide when to stop. When yeah. Physically shut the parts off stop or yeah. demoralize them to the point that they don't want to keep fighting. So uh, I think that's a really good, people don't like that discussion. We talk about it a lot in class, but it's helps you wrap your head around the very un comfortable discussion of actually punching holes in human flesh and seeing clothes pop and uh -huh. seeing blood and possibly having blood or brain matter on you. And you, know, you watch guys doing all this uh -huh. like, contact sh shooting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's a PTSD shooting right there, man. Right, yeah, right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. You do that for real and you're going to have parts on you. Yeah. Not that and you'll not see. Go ahead. No, and you'll see that for the rest of your life when you close your eyes for a while. Probably. probably. Uh, yeah. I think that that's a good starting point. I, yeah. I did a video once a couple of years ago, and I said the only thing, the video was titled, the only thing you should ask the guy at the gun store is how much does it cost? And That's such a good video. Oh, my gosh. Oh. We, we took some people <laughs> off, and clearly there are many yes. men and women that work at gun stores. Tamara Keel is a, is a gun writer, female, uh, worked at a gun store, I think in Michigan. She writes for lots of uh, publications. She worked at a gun store. She knows her stuff. Of course, there's people that work at gun stores. But for the most part, like if you go to the Home Depot and you go in the plumbing aisle and you're like, I'm fixing, they don't know what the heck they're talking about, you know? Yeah. So your question was, what information would I pass on to a concealed carried person for interacting with law enforcement. Definitely. I think regardless of if that citizen is, is a law enforcement officer, a, just an armed citizen, a military person, that cop doesn't know you. That cop doesn't uh -huh. know if you have been training for 40 years. They don't know if you were a four former tier one operator. They don't know if you have the heart of gold. And I think it would be best for folks to remember on the side of the road, that cop's earning a living to keep the public safe, treat them in a fashion that you would wish to be treated when you have no idea who's standing in front of you from a safety standpoint. Uh -huh. I've met a lot of people, the Constitution states, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, you know, this guy's probably not pulling you over for nothing or interacting right. with you for nothing. Well, if folks in class want to talk about like really in-depth stuff, like, well, when they take my gun off of me, like, what did you do that a cop cuffed you up and is now disarming you? Like, what did right. you do? So for the most part, I think if people are righteous in their actions and act respectfully, uh -huh. but I got pulled over in Georgia and that cop, you know, he's looking in my back seat, and I wasn't scared because I didn't do anything wrong. Right. My hands kept my hands, uh, on the steering oh, wheel. Yeah. It was, it was daylight. Otherwise I would have turned the lights on. I talked calmly and I explained to him, I just said, Hey man, I see you looking back there. Uh, I'm a firearms instructor. There's 
weapons in the vehicle, everything safe and cased, uh, you know, and just kind of like left it at that. He's like, cool. And um, context, you know, like people talk about, well, he's going to drag me out of the car. I have not really met too many police officers that wish to look at uh, felony charges for jamming somebody up for nothing. I mean, does it happen? Yeah. Of course, of course it's happened. But for the most part, if you're minding your own business, cops don't just walk up to you and say, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, Unless you like walk like a duck or look like a duck and quack like yeah. a duck. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. ducks. <laughs> so the, I think the part that I was starting to talk about before we got cut off again was <clears throat> understand the laws wherever you're traveling. And yeah. I think it's, it's too easy now. There's an app I have on my phone. It's called, uh, let me look it up. So I say it, I, it's three bucks, two bucks on Amazon mm-hmm. uh, or on the app store. Rather, it is called CCW. And the cool thing, yeah. like right now it wants to update. So it's updating and literally it'll tell you, like I can, I've got Wisconsin pulled up. Yeah. Is firearms allowed in restaurants? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it tells you all of these things. It tells you about uh, where things are, are allowed, not allowed. It tells you about awesome. form laws. So stuff like that. There's cool. really no excuse. Yeah. To know. Um, I travel a lot, headed out of town this week, and I will look each state. Like, because it would be so stupid to get jammed up for something. Over something. Yeah. yeah. What, um... What do you use? Do you carry a CCW insurance? I do. Actually, I'm a representative for CCW Safe. Okay. Okay. Uh, that organization, why it's special. And I uh-huh. spent the time, we spent a year researching this. Our, our team did. Yeah. And CCW Safe is run by former police officers. Okay. A bunch of, bunch of homicide cops from Oklahoma City. And cool. they decided when they left, service they wanted the same kind of coverage that the city provided for them which didn't exist so basically they have a captive insurance program they're the only company that's actually tried a capital murder case for one of its members and uh one so that was the one i told you about when we were talking yesterday i talked about the guy that was involved in that shooting at the at the uh, motorcycle event yep remember that Mm -hmm. so that was one of their uh, clients. Cases, Not yeah. only, so the, the gentlemen that own and run the company are all former law enforcement. One of the principal owners is also an attorney. Uh, they, their nice. attorneys, their chief counsel is the gentleman that represented uh, George Zimmerman against Trayvon Martin okay. against the state of Florida. You know, it's kind of a tough thing because you look at that and you're like, man, that case was terrible. But unfortunately, the facts were what they were. And so they've got very good counsel. They have like no caps on anything. As long hmm. as you're righteous, as long as you're righteous in your actions. Uh, yeah. The They'll thing, go to war for you. If I pick this bottle up and had to take you on this, uh, that's covered. A lot of the companies don't cover weapons of opportunity. Uh, really? Firearms. Yeah. A lot of the companies. If yeah. They, I, I didn't see that in mine. Yeah. A lot of the, in yours, is there a, a clause in there about it, you should look it up. Like if you got into a, a gunfight and it now turned yeah. into you having to pick up a brick a or a chair. Yeah. Some companies say, oop, not a gun. And uh, uh, I'll look more deeply, but I didn't see anything in yeah, there one, about that. This one's super affordable. Okay. Uh, I just I did my homework. Uh yeah. 
total transparency. They pay me, except I never try to like tell people to how to purchase it, where I get paid. So CCW Safe is the company, and you can buy it through our website, which is how I get paid. <laughs> right. I could care less. I mean, that's not. I'm not in business to make a few shekels off of uh, you know insurance. They're good dudes. Yeah. They they pump out really solid information. And the interesting thing is, if you look at the other guys that support them, it's mm. guys like Dave Spalding, Larry Vickers, Jeff Gonzalez. Uh, it like totally legit dudes in the industry. So yeah. that's I rec for me for for what it costs. You know, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks a year. I mean, I know that's a lot of money, case of ammo or whatever. But if you're, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, if you're the kind of person that legitimately will run to trouble when it happens, uh, I don't know, man. To me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Absolutely, no, one hundred percent. I agree, one hundred percent. Good to go, man. That's pretty much what I've got for you, Mickey. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you dropping some knowledge on us and sharing a bit about yourself. I like to go deep in the beginning, man, and understand the man behind all the tactics and stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, tactics we can get, but understanding like, you know, your experiences and how they drive you into what you provide is, is, is really valuable. You can only get that from the individual. So I'm glad you, you know, took the time to go deep with us, man. It's been, it's been an honor having you on the show. One more question. Do you have any daily rituals that uh, you believe make you a better person, better at what you do? Anything you want to pass on to the listeners? That's a good question, man. So what I, and this has changed over the years, what I like to do when I am being mindful of it is I get up and I thank God for the day. Uh, yeah. I, I literally say, and I, I took this from Norman Vincent Peale. I thank God okay. for all that I have, all that I've had, and all that I shall have. And then yeah. I take another quote from the Blues Brothers. Okay, mixing it up. Song the Blues Brothers did. Jake, who was actually uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd, he said, uh, live, thrive, and survive. And I usually I'm letting my dog out by this point in the morning, and I'm either yeah. breathing cold, cold winter air or, you know, whatever – fresh air hits me. And I say, I thank God for another day to live, thrive and survive. And then I, I go through a routine of uh, some calisthenics in the morning. You know, I don't, mm. I try not to, I try not to pick this thing up and start filling my head with everybody else's goals and dreams. Right. Uh, it's really, yeah, you can lose, lose yourself doing that. So I try to focus on, you know, what do I got to get done? What do I got to do? But I, I try to, especially as we age, I take care of myself, uh, make sure I get the physical stuff in. Get my mind, get my mind to where it needs to be, though. Yeah, awesome to hammer through the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, kind of set yeah. the set set the tone. You get out of bed and you're like, oh god, another it's Friday's not <laughs> four days. That's a pretty brutal way to approach the day. Right? No, I agree, man, one hundred percent. Same here, man. It's all about getting your mind and body right. I usually hit the gym if I can. If I can't. Um, I still am talking. I'm listening to motivational stuff while I'm shaving. Yeah. You know, getting there, getting there. So that by the time I step off, out. I try to sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I like to get it in. That's my therapy half the time. But uh, yeah, brother. Hey, and plugs, man. Shameless plugs. Where are you? Where can we find you? What you doing? Pretty, 
Pretty easy. If you just punch uh, Carrie Trainer, C A R R Y T R A I N E R, or Mickey Shook, which is S C H U C H, usually the search engines will find us. CarrieTrainer.com is our website. Carrie Trainer on Instagram, Carrie Trainer on Facebook, Carrie Trainer on YouTube. Uh, we've got a pretty, pretty well uh, run YouTube channel with a lot of uh, dynamite info. So, yeah, I was checking that out, man. Like good right. stuff good graphics it's all like i'm very very blessed nice production. To have, uh, yeah i've got a, i've got a guy his name's drew veneman uh <clears throat> drew and i've worked together for years back in politic days and drew <clears throat> literally started learning photography and, and videography so that we could better run campaigns and not okay. have to pay people while politicians takes a lot of money they never have enough so we started doing the videography and stuff in-house and he got good at it and i'm like hey i want to start doing some gun videos and so he's gone way deep. We own some pretty good equipment. And, and anyway, it's, it's, he's the guy I can stand there and blah, 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 but he's the guy that makes all the magic happen with the sound. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Which is the whole production. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool, man. All right. Good to go, brother. Well, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate it. you. Thank you for your time. We'll talk again soon. Hey, brother. For your listeners, you were on our podcast, which I thought was yes. an excellent deep dive into who you are. So yeah, they can yeah. check that out. Too. What episode was that? Do you remember? 50. You were episode 50. Boom. Episode 50. Yeah, man. That's like, mm-hmm. we get all deep into like kind of my paradigm and where I come from and my ideas about a lot of things, some controversial things we touch on. So that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you for having me on. Good to go. Thanks, dude. All right then, Mickey. We'll talk soon, brother. Take care. Out. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible contributing to this brand what we're doing here making it so that i can bring better guests on making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an america a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that the lifestyle behind that you guys are already killing it one dollar a month five dollars a month ten bucks a month twenty bucks a month whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on mcdonald's hey you want to put it towards something that's going to good use put it towards a podcast and get involved in our our patreon account at executive protection lifestyle.com if you want to find me that's byron rogers motivation.com um you know do whatever you can contribute whatever you can to that patreon account because it makes all of these things possible ladies and gentlemen so much love Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at Executive Protection Lifestyle. 
byronrogersmotivation.com. If you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.